As I mentioned in weeks past, uh, over the next 21 days, uh, to kick January off, we're starting a corporate fast here as a church. And so uh, we may not all fast the same thing, but one thing that's true is we'll all be seeking the Lord fervently together. Amen? And fasting, as we, as we observe it in the scriptures, we discover it's a powerful spiritual discipline we see all throughout the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, New Testament alike. We see Moses fasted. Uh, we see a corporate fast in the book of Ruth. Uh, we know that uh, in the New Testament, we see the disciples, the apostles would pray and fast. And when they would, the spirit of the Lord would speak to them with great clarity. We know Jesus himself fasted, he fasted for 40 days before his public ministry. And so if fasting is something Jesus not only did himself, but promoted, then it's probably a spiritual discipline that we should adopt into our own spiritual lives. Amen. And so considering all of that, I, I just wanted to have a short, simple message. Uh, and I wanted to use the book of Ezra this morning to help clarify why do we fast? What is fasting? And uh, what's some of the purposes behind it? What is accomplished through fasting? And I think that this will help clarify a lot of that. For some of us, maybe fasting's new. Maybe some of us have never fasted in the room. Maybe some of us, we've fasted lots and we've seen God move in powerful ways as a result. So I want to pray over the word and, and then we'll jump in to uh, the story out of Ezra. Jesus, we just invite your Holy Spirit to till the soil of our heart. Help it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your word. Uh, use it to transform us. We want to look more like you. We don't want to just hear your word. We want to live your word out. Uh, we pray this church would also continue to foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, I want to journey to Ezra chapter eight. And in the book of Ezra, we drop into a lot that's been going on. I want to give you some of the details before I jump into the verse out of Ezra eight. I want to give you some background. You have the Jewish people who have been occupying Jerusalem, which is uh, the capital. Essentially, this is where the temple's built. This is where the manifest presence of God dwells on earth. This is where their worship takes place. It's the epicenter uh, of Judean culture. And so Babylon takes over uh, Jerusalem and brings them into captivity. And when they take them over, they destroy the temple. They destroy the city of Jerusalem. And so they're brought, they're exiled out to Babylon. Well, Babylon, who was once the bully, now gets bullied by um, a, a new king who comes in. And his name is uh, King, or, or it's the Persian army who takes over Babylon. So Babylon was once the bully. Now they're being bullied by the Persian army. Now the Persian army says to the Jews who were taken exile by Babylon, hey, you guys are free to go back. Is everybody tracking with me? I know there's a lot going on here. Okay, just making sure. So uh, anyone else want to preach? I just, no. <laughs> So uh, here they are. So the book of Ezra is the very beginning of this new leadership taking over Babylon, them releasing them. And we see the people of God, the Jews, they're, they're, uh, they don't all go back at once. They leave in three waves, essentially. So you have your first wave of people and they head back to Jerusalem and they rebuild the temple when they get there. They don't fix everything. 
They don't implement the priestly systems and the structures and all that, but they go back and they get the temple rebuilt. And then there's a second leader who is our character for this morning named Ezra. He's going to lead another group of Jewish people back into uh, the city of Jerusalem. And he's going to implement some of those priestly structures and lines. Uh, He's gathering the people. Not everyone will go back at once, but he's gathering people and, and he's heading back with the mission to teach the word of God. He wants to initiate reforms. He wants to restore worship in the temple and lead a spiritual revival in Jerusalem. Ezra is passionate about God and he's passionate about the people of God living out their purpose as a set apart nation. Amen. But like I said, not every Jew is going to go back with Ezra on this journey. And there's multiple reasons for that. Some it's uh, age that's keeping them from the long strenuous journey. Some it's disabilities. Some people have just grown comfortable in Babylon. They've built lives, they've built some wealth, and they're like, man, to go back to undomesticated Jerusalem, I'm not up for that missions trip. The Lord ain't calling me to do that, okay? And so, but what everybody has agreed upon is whether they're going back or not, they're going to offer a gift to the temple that's been restored in Jerusalem. So everybody shows, uh, everybody gives a a little offering into this thing. So Ezra's going to travel back with this group of Jewish people back to Jerusalem, but he has this massive uh, offering that he's going to bring into the temple to offer to God. And this is what it consists of 24 tons of silver. This is no small offering. 7,500 pounds of silver articles, 7,500 pounds of gold, 20 gold bowls, equal in value to 1,000 gold coins, two fine articles of polished bronze, as precious as gold. And on this trip, they're definitely, it's very likely they would encounter bandits, thieves, um, you know, gangs that are, that are on the path. And so, and, and if you were ever going to rob anybody, this is like the jackpot of all robberies. Okay. This is, there's gold and silver and all this, uh, high quality, highly desired, um, pieces of metal. And so it, it's this that leads us into our text. Ezra recognizes, oh man, we're going to take this trip with all these goods. And if we don't have some sort of protection, it ain't all going to get to the temple and the Lord's not going to get the offering that, that we've desired to give him. But Ezra also has told the king, no, my God is powerful and he protects us. And, and, and anyone who's against him, he doesn't let succeed. And we'll see this in the text. So Ezra, you could almost say out of pride, uh, he, he doesn't want to go to the king and, and ask for protection for guards and security so he's like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pray and fast. Let's check it out. Ezra says this. And there by the Ahava Canal, this is Ezra talking, I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before God. We prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us and our children and our goods and we, as we traveled. 
For I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from enemies along the way. After all, we had told the king, our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. So you can see Ezra is admitting, I didn't want to ask for the security team to usher us there because uh, I told the king that our God's got it covered. So God, this is on you. We're leaning into you. You got to protect us. Okay. Um, <clears throat> goes, after all, we had told the king, our God's hand, verse 23. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us. And he heard our prayer. There's a couple of principles from this, but you can see that Ezra has a specific need and in desperation for that need to be acted upon for that prayer request to be responded to. He humbles himself and he fasts because he knows there's something about praying uh, about combining your prayers with fasting that would seem to accelerate them maybe in some way. So here's what we learn in the first verse. It says that I gave orders for all of us to fast and humble ourselves before God. One of God's desire for us as believers is for humility to be one of our primary characteristics. We see this in Jesus. Jesus personifies humility as the word of God wraps himself in flesh and dies a death that we deserve. Jesus is the perfect picture of humility. And as Jesus followers, uh, humility is something God desires all of us to have and all of us to live with, right? And we see in Philippians 2 that Jesus humbled himself by taking on human flesh. He left heaven and he came to earth. And so fasting is one of the most practical ways. Now we we don't want to fast so we can look miserable and everybody can ask us, well, what's wrong with you? What's going on? Oh, I'm fasting with my church and oh, but I'll be blessed for it. You know, it's just I know you don't fast and you don't get it, but it's really hard. Okay. And you know, it's not about appearing spiritual or looking spiritual. It's really about, and this is why Jesus gives specific instructions when he's speaking to, uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, when he talks about fasting, he's like, hey, he's like, make sure, you know, you, you look glad you don't really want people to know. This isn't about being seen. It's not about appearing spiritual. It's about humbling yourself. It's about denying what you want, seeking him, saying, God, I'll withhold these things. I'll become less so you can become more. It's about starving our flesh so our spirit can thrive. It's about withholding. It's about humbling ourselves. Okay. We want to be humble. The word says, God, 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 uh, he, he exalts those who humble themselves and he humbles those who exalt themselves. You don't want to be out here trying to exalt yourself in the kingdom of God, right? Much better to humble ourselves rather than to God have us humbled. Amen. So one, it's, it's an act of humility. It's one of the most beautiful things about it. But the second thing I want you to observe is Ezra prays. And when he, and when he prays and when he calls them to the fast, he says this, he says, we prayed that he would give us a safe journey and protect us and our children and our goods. As we traveled, he has a specific need that he brings, right? And, and, and this is, I, I want to ask the room, like, what's your specific need? This is why we've taken time to write it down. Like, 
what is the need that you want to bring to God? Like, here's where I'm believing your provision. Here's where I'm believing for your restoration. Here's where I'm believing for your healing. I see Ezra prayed and fasted about what he specifically wanted to see God do. And I want to invite you to do the same. And then in verse three, there's something, again, I I think we continue to see the power of our prayer and fasting combined. In verse 23, it says this. So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us. And he heard our prayer. God hears us when we pray. And when we fast, he hears us. And we know that because when we skip down to verse, so that was verse 23. When we skip down to Ezra eight, verse 31, we read this. We broke camp at the Ahava Canal on April 19th and started off to Jerusalem. So they prayed, they fasted, they started off. God, you, you got to protect us here. They got all the goods. They're, you know, mar- marching to the temple. They're going to do everything that they've set out to do. It says they started off to Jerusalem and the gracious hand of our God protected us and saved us from enemies and bandits along the way. So we arrived safely in Jerusalem where we rested for three days. God answers their prayer. He kept them safe. And it started with praying and fasting and believing God for his provision. If we're going to bring something to the Lord over these next 21 days, let's bring it with faith. Let's bring it with expectation. It's one of our, one of our core values. We're expecting. Amen. So um, there's nothing too big. There's nothing too small. There's nothing too silly or too serious. He invites us in the new Testament, make all your requests known. I think God loves when we come to him with our needs. I really do. Uh, So just a couple of how to fast 101. Uh, there's a complete fast, which would be extremely difficult for 21 days, but I've known people who have done it and that's no food at all, just water. Okay. Uh, I will not be doing that over the 21 days. (laughs) This is me humbling myself, Lord. Okay. I'm admitting, I'm admitting, uh, there's a partial fast. And so this can look a couple of different ways. Maybe that's just specific foods that you refrain from. Maybe it's you do no food, but only from a certain period of time, from sunup to sundown. Uh, I I think you guys get the point. Partial fast is is your... just not doing a complete fast, but you're doing a partial fast. It's, it's in the name. Imagine that. <laughs> you know, some people may not necessarily recognize this as, as a type of fast, but I uh, hear Paul's words in Corinthians where he invites a husband and a wife to take time away from each other intimately um, to seek the Lord. And so I see in the text that sometimes an offering to the Lord is for a couple to sharing intimacy fast with the intent to seek God um, and grow closer to him. Okay. Everybody's smiling. You guys are so immature. We've actually had a couple get pregnant in the church after they did that. Uh, They had one slip up on the 21 days, but that was what the Lord used to get them pregnant. So I just think that's funny. Um, That doesn't preach good though, does it? (laughs) They're like, so we don't have to fast or. (laughs) And then I I would just put, you know, Destiny Church is is calling it essentially a soul fast. And you're not going to find that in the Bible. And that's mainly because the Bible doesn't have Netflix. Okay. Um, But I think if we were to all be really honest with each other, 
there's things that we devote a lot of time to that are soul suckers, right? That, that have us distracted um, or, or they're taking away from intimate time that we could have pursuing Jesus, reading scripture, uh, spending time in prayer. And so for 21 days, I would definitely encourage to maybe, you know, um, in addition to fasting some sort of food. And, and if you don't do any food at all and you just, do, you just lay something down, I, I think that's okay too. Um, I think biblically we see that fasting is most often with food, but it, you know maybe laying down Netflix, maybe laying down Facebook, TikTok. Uh, maybe you're a gamer, you play video games, and you know you spend too much time on the game system. Whatever it is, lay it down for 21 days as an offering. Like God, I'm going to deny the things I enjoy. I'm going to deny the things that feed my flesh. I'm, I'm going to lay these things down to pursue you with greater velocity. Okay. Um, we have actually a prayer guide that's been created. And so we have, uh, for each day of the fast, we have something to pray about specifically. I want you to bring your own needs, but then we have a prayer guide that you can use as well. Uh, you can scan this code or you can go to destinychurch.me forward slash 21 days.